0: Welcome to the True True Condos Podcast Podcast. with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
1: All right, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show Igor Dragovich. Igor is a senior planner at the City of Toronto in the planning department. Igor, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Great to be back here again, of course.
1: Yeah, we had you on a couple years ago, and I know you're very active on Twitter and, and social media on uh, housing issues, real estate issues, and of course, you work in the uh, in the government side of things as well as a planner, and you've also worked at the province before that. Last time we spoke, you were at the province, so great to talk to you, great to have you on and have your insights into real estate and the market and what's happening. Um, looking forward to chatting today.
0: For sure. I same. I uh, feel the same way.
1: Great, great. Um, and so, you wrote a blog post. The main reason I I wanted to have you on was for this blog post um, that you wrote recently, which of course we'll include a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Everybody, definitely go check it out. And, and you got some great charts on there. I always appreciate how you you know you just break down uh, the market in a very simple way with your with your blog posts and your tweets and everything. Um, and really we oftentimes, you know, we overcomplicate things and we, we try to look at so many different angles and what's happening in the market and why is this happening and what happened here. But I just find that your posts and with and the content that you create is just a nice way of breaking things down in a simple fashion so that you can really get to the fundamentals of the market to really see clearly what is happening and what, you know, what's likely going to happen in the future. So, um, kudos to you. Keep it up. But yeah on the yeah uh, it's great and on this on this um recent blog post uh, called the state of the resale housing market in the GTA um well, I'll let you jump in here but uh you've got some great just historical context of you know obviously we've come out of a 2017 was a wild ride of a year with major highs and major lows but um it was really interesting to see how you kind of put that in context two thousand seventeen and the market today in context of the you know the broader market of the of over decades so why don't you talk about that and sort of what you, what were the key takeaways for you uh as you wrote that blog post and and some of the charts you put together
0: uh sure, no problem um so I mean the first chart i believe it was the one that kind of looked at the annual house prices from nineteen fifty three and you know you see a pretty Uh, I don't want to say consistent, but, yeah, generally looks, you know, like a consistent rise with a few uh, kind of bubbly spots, you know, in in around the early 70s, late 80s that were quite, you know, a lot of people in Toronto are quite familiar with. And, um, you know, more so recent this period, uh, some are questioning whether, you know, home prices and, and values are overstretched but uh what we do see is regardless of these ups and downs over the last 60 years house prices are on average you know going up and up right consistently and i mean if you just look at the trend line in that map from 1953 uh house prices have increased fivefold right so five times over the last 60 years uh that they've increased and even if say our house prices fall uh this year To that revert to that mean, we still would have increased five times, right? So it's not like, um, we're, uh, we're, we're stagnating or things like that. And you can see in some of the other charts, kind of the percent percentage increases and that, you know, this year we've increased still despite all the wild ride, as you mentioned, uh, for 2017 in terms of housing values and, and fail sales levels, things like that. We're still up. Uh, about 13% year over year increase from 2016 in, uh, house prices, average house prices, uh, resale ones across the GTA. And that gives me a little bit of comfort because we're not at, uh, you know, 36% year over year as we've seen in 1989, which was, uh, you know, that, that the period that followed out wasn't particularly a great one for real estate in Toronto. But, um, uh, you know, it's almost, I guess it brings into question whether, ontario's uh, fair housing plan that was introduced in April might have actually done what it was intended to do, which was to stabilize the market a little bit right um because I think we all felt that that kind of the thirty percent increase we faced in march twenty seventeen compared to march twenty sixteen was a little uh you know a little too much and I think that not only did the government realize that but so did a lot of buyers and sellers and then we are in a bit of a you know the a market that's seems to be a bit more calmer now, I'd say. So not the craziness that we witnessed a few months prior, but uh, maybe the stability that we've seen a few years prior.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's, you bring up some great points there. I want to just touch on one of them, which was, you know, 2017, when the dust had all settled, was the prices were up overall about 13% over the previous year. 13%, which is a high number. Absolutely. Uh, it, historically, it is a, it is one of the higher numbers. But as you point out, and as your great charts point out, as as they look at the appreciation rates on average over this last 60 years, um, and maybe you can sort of, you know, people will look at the chart, but, uh, you know, just maybe you can describe it for them a little bit, just in terms of the 70s and the 80s, like there were some just wild ups and downs in the market. And compared to what was going on then, uh and obviously the, everyone always goes back to the crash of 1989 and you know everyone's always is this the moment where we're going to repeat that kind of a thing mm-hmm. when you actually see this chart you realize wow it is actually come a very different sort of uh you know n- numerical uh picture than it was in those in, in the 80s yeah i
0: mean it's, it's interesting because i mean the 80s had uh you know there i would it's kind of funny when you read some of the articles from the 80s. I think Tans and from the Globe and Mail has posted them, and it almost sounds like you know you're reading an article from today. It's like uh, you know lots of people are moving here. Is this a global city? Or, you know, congestion is so bad, and housing prices are through the roof. Are our kids ever going to be able to afford to live here? And the, you know, people were writing that in 1989, and we're here in 2017. And yeah, everybody's kids were able to kind of afford a home here, and people were able to settle in here and people moved and came and jobs were established. Right. So things were flying ultimately. Right. Um, but you, you're definitely, that's, that's a very fair point that you bring up. I and mean, I like what you said there because you look at that chart. I mean, from about, I'm kind of looking at it right now from about 19, you know, 65 till 1990,
1: you see these just spikes. just wild ups and downs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 30% right in one year that that's yeah. going up and we haven't had that since that crash of 89, right? Since uh, the early nineties, we've gone up. I mean, m- you know, granted it was a little crazy in 2017, but if you were to take out 2017 out of the equation, you'd see a quite a consistent, um, and a reasonable rate of growth, right? And at all, I don't know whether it was particularly, uh, Vancouver, uh, you know, the BC sort of, uh, the policy that they implemented on the foreign buyers and things like that last summer that, um, yep. sort of everything that happened here because really it's really all only been the last i'd say from i don't know maybe summer of 2016 to april of 2017 that the market got out of control and um sort of tempered
1: late right right yeah it's i mean yeah now that we've had a little bit of time to look back on what's hap- what happened in 2017 it was almost the way i kind of see it. it's almost like we got the, we got drunk like as a city as as a market it's like we got drunk for a couple months and and people were just Doing crazy stupid things that they normally wouldn't do uh, in terms of bidding pr- bidding up prices on properties uh, and things got out. Of, yeah, things got out of control. but now when you look back, it was actually only a couple of months really. It was like you said, it was, it was definitely less than a year. Um, really the critical months were sort of February, March, April uh of 2017 just a few months where things really got wonky Uh, a handful of people overpaid for properties but you know i think the market quickly reverted back to sort of the mean as you said Mm -hmm. um and there's only really a handful of people out there who uh you know who may actually suffer from from those kind of decisions that were made in in those days but for you know for 95 of people in the market. We're just sort of back to normal, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I like the way you put it. It's kind of funny, too, that uh, people were a little drunk for this uh, couple of months period, which is absolutely correct. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you look at, say, 20, the last 20, 30 years of housing in Toronto, and we've had, and I think I wrote about this, and you can see kind of the month to month um, uh, changes in house prices. And you see for like literally 20 years, we've had prices very, rarely above ten percent annually uh growing, right? Not even single yeah. until maybe twenty sixteen or so. Um, right. And I mean you can take out the two thousand and eight and nine recession because that's you know, that obviously it's gonna have an impact. Uh but didn't have as big of an impact as say what happened in the US and things like that. Um but what you notice is that, you know, we've had a crazy nine or ten months or maybe even shorter than that as as you uh, you know i don't deal with trend on the transaction side so i wouldn't uh have a really good sense of of that but you definitely would um but you look at that nine months and at one point people were sort of extrapolating that forward thinking oh this is this is any normal this is how it is right and then after we've sort of reverted back to the mean and the market has stabilized that people started freaking out they're like oh my god Things are actually taking, you know, 30 or 30 something days to sell and, and the house prices are, you know, they're not growing by 30%. It's growing by 5%. Well, yeah, of course it is because that's what's normal, right? It was like that in 2012 and 2013 and 2014 and 2015. Only yep. this year, a few months, the things get out of control and suddenly people think, oh, this is, this is the new normal when in reality, the new normal is what was happening a few years prior, right? So...
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have we have such maybe right. Yeah, we have such short memories, and and now as as I've been talking about a lot in the podcast lately, a, a theme that keeps coming up, and you're sort of alluding to it is this idea that, um, you know, uh, well, what I'm saying, you know, the the stats are going to start coming out, and they're going to start looking really bad because we're going to be comparing, you know, January, February, March, April of 2018, we're going to be comparing yeah. to 2017. The year that we got drunk the year that we uh you know we, we we lost our minds for a very short period of time so the numbers are going to look really bad uh on 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 paper yeah and, and for the next few months but by the time we get to june july uh time period of 2018 when we start com- we're comparing ourselves to you know after the after the hangover and we're back to normal uh you know it's going to paint a very different picture so i think like you said the the psychological effect is is certainly going to be interesting to watch and and to see how that plays out in the market over the next few months because um you know we have such short memories as you said too it's like oh things are so bad uh well why in 2000 like you said 2012 13 14 15 was anybody saying things were bad uh, no, I mean, people, it
0: was, was going to be crazy. They're like, this is, yeah." At, you know, at one point it was, uh, the fact that condos are going up like five,
1: condos are going up like three,
0: 4% a year, right? If you recall this, like, remember those days?
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We, people were freaking out when a house, house prices were going up six, seven, eight, yeah. nine percent. You know, people were, oh, this, this is too much. Uh, you know, now it's like prices are going up 5%. What? No, the market is crashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> That's a that's a very good way to put it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, so it's funny to watch that, and and uh, you know, in the industry, we sort of know this inherently, but people on the street and reading headlines, uh, they're not necessarily picking up on the nuances, and it's certainly going to affect the market and, and affect how people are thinking about the market. So it'll be interesting to watch. But by the time summer rolls around, I think uh, I think it's going to be a very different picture.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, spring, uh, spring and summer 2018 will give us, I think, a better idea of what, uh, you know, where the market's sort of heading. And I think I've I wrote in the article like, like that as well. And I think I noted like fall 2017 was supposed to be that, but it wasn't right. And that's okay. I mean, it's still, it was still fairly early. And now we also have the s a five test as well as stress test. Um, so we'll see how it all plays out, but we should have a better idea in 2018, uh, in the spring and summer and you know what I'm looking at right now. I don't see things plummeting. Really, I don't think I don't see it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's 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 one of my, I've written on my page right here. Is the market plummeting? That was one of the kind of uh, questions to sort of to to, to ask you, um, and sort of segue into some of your other posts and, and research that you've done and, and charts that you've got together, where you go back and you look at the Toronto population over the last you know hundred years or so. Um, you know, and again, going back to the fundamentals of the market and and the, and the growth that we're we've seen over a hundred years in the market. Like, what is how do you what is your what is your take? Like, what is your message to to people um, when you're you know when you take that perspective when you look at today's market in the context of you know in today's city of Toronto in the context of the last hundred years?
0: Um, I mean, Toronto is just like it's it's a powerhouse in terms of growth right and it's um like we don't i don't think we appreciate how much the city really grows uh annually right and how much we've grown like we add about a million people to this region every decade that's a whole that's a whole major city that you're adding to an existing you know urban agglomeration every 10 years um and when you think about that it's like thats that's going to drive a lot of demand for housing that's, you You have to create the jobs for that, the infrastructure, the cars and things like that. And when you have this population growth, right? And if you look at the last 200 years, we, I think I calculated that it was about nine or 10 years that we actually, the city witnessed, well, not the city, but the Toronto Census Metropolitan Area, which includes, you know, parts of York Region, uh, Peel, Halton and Durham. But when you look at the last 200 years, really that region has only declined in growth for about nine or 10 years out of the 200.
1: Amazing. Yeah. Amazing right. stat. At
0: the time, we're just, we're growing, right? It's right. doesn't matter what's happening. We're, people are coming here, right? Yeah, sure. Some people leave the province. They go to Alberta. Maybe oil prices or the Canadian dollar influences that. Fine. Not a problem. Some people as well leave, you know, the Toronto CMA and, and, and settle in maybe smaller communities nearby, whether that's Kitchener Waterloo or Kingston or... Or um you know Niagara Falls retiring you know your retirees, for instance, fine, but the immig- sheer level of immigration that we get right and and not only that, but the federal government aims to increase that to you know i think you, you know you look at how the feds do it, they do it generally to one percent of the Canadian population, so it should be you know we should be letting in about three hundred and fifty three hundred and sixty thousand people a year, which the feds are doing or planning to do and even talking about increasing that to four potentially five hundred thousand people a year, right, to um cover I guess to maintain our population growth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And where where are all those people going to move? I mean, yeah, sure, you know, people will go to Vancouver, some to Montreal, but the vast majority are going to go to the Toronto CMA. Um and I saw an interesting chart that there's been a sort of declining numbers of people going. The Toronto CMA, if you look at over the, over the last, say, 20 years, but it's still, you know, it's still about 50 to 80,000. I'm actually not sure what the immigrant numbers are, but I think it's about 50 to 60 or 70,000, um, immigrants strictly, right? Newcomers coming from outside of the country into the, um, Toronto CMA settling here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Were Were you at the, um, there was a, an event at Ryerson recently, a housing uh, event in, in the past week. Were you at that event?
0: No, I wasn't. It was the, I think it was the Center for Urban Research one, right?
1: That's right. Yeah, no, I know. I saw some tweets going out on that. I don't know if you caught those as well. Um, one of the speakers, I, I believe uh, somebody's working city of Mississauga, was quoted as saying, uh, one projection was for 3.5 million people being added to the greater Golden Horseshoe, so not just Toronto, but the, the whole Go- Golden Horseshoe region by 2030. I don't know. Is that a, is, I think I don't know if that's
0: a... I think it might be to 2041, but uh, that might have been Ed, Ed Sajeki from Mississauga. who.
1: Ed Sajeki, that's right, yeah.
0: Who um, identified that number, but uh, yeah, it's something crazy, like about work, we're going to add another, I think, Three million people and just over a million something jobs to the G like the Greater Golden Horseshoe region, um, which the growth plan kind of covers. Right, that's where they uh, got that region from. But um, yeah, by 2041, (laughs) so uh, you know it's 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 going to continue going. Right, that's what the forecasts say, and um, you know that's that's a lot of people, and that's still going to drive demand for a lot still housing. And things like that and and jobs and products so um you know the city is going to be more dense it's going to be a bigger city it's continue to be a growing city i mean i try to think up of what could realistically drive people away right into toronto
1: yes what could change this trajectory i mean we've got now like you said we have 200 years of history now it's a pretty strong track record but let's let's play the hypothetical and yeah, what could potentially change this this trend? What could drive people away? What are your thoughts? I mean, what what would it take to significantly change the trajectory?
0: I mean, I, I I don't know. I think about it a lot, and it's like
1: you you really
0: have to come. I think it has to come from the federal government to limit immigration, right? Or we have to screw something up politically. Um, I don't want to say screw something up, but say elect uh leaders that aren't um as open to immigration, things like
1: that. Right. Uh, right.
0: I don't want to point to America and say they're doing that, but it's it's you know, with Trump coming in, that that is you know, I've heard of people saying that we've seen uh greater interest in real estate and things like that as a result right. of yes. sort of protectionist policies, right? So I think that's a better word. Protectionist policies um, Sure, maybe uh limit our growth, right? That um as well, maybe, you know, it doesn't have to be a war on our soil, but maybe some sort of a uh, incident globally. But that again could, uh, unfortunately for a certain population could work in our favor, right? I mean, you look at how many, you know, people have settled here due to wars as refugees and things like that,
1: right? Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, but one thing I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I mean, those things are, I don't foresee those things sort of.
1: I mean do you let's talk I mean especially with with your expertise and your background what about the supply side of the equation um do you see any scenario where there is a massive influx too much influx of uh of housing of too much housing uh coming in that would that would have a downward pressure on on housing prices in the greater golden horseshoe
0: I think that's actually that would be a positive right Right. Um, if that's supply, because here's the thing, and and I remember talking
1: um, at the
0: ministry about this stuff, and you know, there's been a lot of discussions over the last year about supply, demand, which one is it? What are we doing? Uh, and what we have to understand is that you know we're building like forty something thousand units per year, right? In the last few years in this region, which is a lot of supply <laughs> being added, and sort of. Complaining that su- the supply isn't there is not a great argument because when you compare it to other places like san francisco and 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 you know San Francisco is the best one, they build like a tenth of what we do right annually right so we're we're you know churning out housing units all the time and our real estate market is a very healthy one i mean you can ask any developer builder and all they're doing is they're oh, we're looking for land we're looking for land to build more housing right so it it's sort of working out, but when you look at for instance the 80s, what we saw was a lot of development, a significant amount of development, both uh, residential and non-residential uh, space being added. And a lot of people have indicated that there was uh, a bit of an oversupply, especially with both um, non-residential and residential space, like commercial space, offices, buildings. I mean, half of the financial district literally was built out during the 80s, right? right. Um, and that oversupply, yes, prices did plummet. Yes, it was a bit of a, you know, a tough time to be in, be in the in the industry, excuse me, from 1989 to 96 or so. But what you saw over that time was a, a large supply of housing that was affordable, that allowed a lot of people to come and settle here in the 90s, in the 2000s, right? And only now we're saying that the house prices are too high, right? So, you know, an oversupply isn't particularly bad for a growing region. That space right. will eventually or should eventually be taken up. Look at what happened with our office buildings. We built so many office buildings in the eighties and some people said, Oh, too much supply. They'll never be filled there. Our vacancies are the tightest in North America okay, in downtown. And when you talk to employers, uh, they're clamoring to find space, uh, in downtown in different parts. So there's a lot of demand, right? Um, I think that maybe the opposite might, uh, Drive people away, right? Like that increasing prices, um, but not housing—not just housing, right? Because I think when you combine it all, like the basket of goods, you know, food prices are particularly also getting expensive, and things like daycare and whatnot. That you know, as a, as a as a province and regionally, we need to think about things like that. But that's more of when you combine all those things, I think that high prices might actually be uh, more of a deterrent.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. It's 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 definitely a double-edged sword
0: uh prices right Not you know reasonable growth of three to five or five to ten percent a year depending on you know location and type of house um is reasonable growth but 15 percent a year maybe that's when you know that might drive people uh, away from here right
1: right right at, at some point it just flat out becomes unaffordable yeah, um and
0: s- point right whether
1: Yeah. And and certainly I think, uh, on that note, a lot of people have sort of hit that breaking point when it terms, when it comes to purchasing, uh, buying their own housing. And as a result, they're, they're becoming renters and we're seeing, you know, record high numbers in the rental market as well. Um, I don't know if you look at that market too much or you study that too much or you've done research and talk about that and what you do, but, um, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on the rental market, as it you know as we continue to see. Urbanation just brought out stats today, uh, fourth quarter rental stats. All the numbers just continue to show that rental market is growing at double digits, much much higher than what it typically has grown at. So I'm wondering what your take is on that market, and you know again if you see anything on the horizon that could potentially change that.
0: Uh, I mean, in terms of rents. What we have seen is, yes, they've definitely gone up, and it's taken a little bit longer for them to uh start to sort of creep up relative to prices of houses of housing um but they have lately been increasing, and interestingly enough with um you know ontario's rent control uh the policy that they've introduced as part of their housing plan, that might sort of uh i guess have an impact on what's happening right so what you may see i mean i'm i'm not a you know expert especially compared to say sean hildebrand from uh, urban nation on on the rental market but uh what can happen is or what could have happened is that more so recently the condos or the, the the units that you see with higher rent may have been put back on the market to get that higher rent so that you can consistently raise your rents over the next say you know, 10 years at the standard rate that is, uh, that the rent control, uh, legislation puts out, right? So they may have increased it now, and then you may not see as big of increases over the next 10 years, right? There was, I've heard of people, you know, that they, um, how can I say, I don't want to say they kick tenants out, but they've essentially have thought about doing that so that they raise rents or have a family member move in so that they can raise rents. And so now you, sort of protected that a little bit as a province in terms of going to the land and tribunals board, things like that, uh, land and ten- tenant board, sorry. Uh, but um, these kinds of things, yeah, we'll see how that'll play out. Uh, but I don't anticipate rents to be increasing that much on the residential side over the next few years with rent control in place, right?
1: Well, certainly, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's a tale of two markets, right? It's existing rents and new rents, where the existing rents obviously are covered under rent control now across the board for all units, condos, everything. And so they're going to obviously be, you know, 1%, 2%, whatever the allowable rate is yep. uh, each year. But then you have the the new product coming into the market for the first time that is is going to be rented at the, you know, Much higher current today, you know, today's rate. And that's the those are the rents that, um, you know, we're seeing is jumping up at at 10 percent or more a year at the moment. So but you're right. I mean, I think it's early days still in in this new era of rent control. And we'll we'll, we'll have to see, you know, in, in a couple of years how it ultimately plays out. Um, but at the moment, yeah, the rents, uh, on new product is just running away like a freight train as well. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it's again, rent control, it's that double-edged sword. Like it, uh, it's great if you're in an existing property and you don't want to move, uh, it makes things a lot more challenging if you're in, uh, if you don't, if you're coming, if you're new to the city or if you need to move and you're looking to rent a new space for the first time. Yeah,
0: it's a bit tough, and I mean, uh, you know, how, how much rents have gone up? I'm, I'm not sure. Well, I think the rent right now, what is what, what would be in downtown like 2,000? I think a month or so for a one bedroom or a one den. Yeah, one bedrooms are averaging about 2,000. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, if you were to say calculate uh, your carrying costs for that, it's it it might be around that level, right? Like literally about 2,000 when you look at your you know monthly. I mean, depending on the price and the down payment and that whole deposit structure, but essentially. You know your your mortgage monthly, your maintenance, property taxes, and insurance, give yeah. or take, that are about two thousand a month, right? Yeah. So, um, you're you're given a, a an option now at this point, right? Whether you want to own or rent, and if you want to own, you probably do need to have a down payment ready. Um, with renting, not so much. So,
1: right. We'll see how that'll play out, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anything else that you're looking at or interested in uh, studying the or working on right now that you want to talk about, or, or anything you're in terms of looking ahead to real estate market in 2018? Anything else you're tracking?
0: Um, I mean, I'm I'm always tracking uh, things, you know, uh, around, across the region, uh, and I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in sort of um you know uh, the jobs drive housing, and I've always uh, you know, I mean we probably talked about this before given kind of the work that I do at the city and have done at the province, a lot of it's largely focusing on, you know, kind of non-residential or commercial development. So I'm always a huge sort of proponent for more um uh, non-residential space to be developed, whether that's industrial space, retail or offices, things like that. I like to see those jobs because uh, I can tell you right now without a job, you're not going to get approved for a mortgage, right? Unless you have, you know, Unless you have a really uh you're privately you know wealthy or yeah, you yeah. you have money or something like that, but uh you know I can tell you right now you go to a bank and they won't approve you unless you can you know prove that you have an income, have the income. Course, yep. yeah. so I'm a big proponent of that, and I usually track where those things are happening across the region and 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 where sort of the new uh where also transit investments and infrastructure investments are happening and sort of combining those two identify kind of growing residential markets and, and things like that.
1: So So on that note, uh, what are some of the, you know, the up and coming pockets, uh, or areas that you're, that, you know, you could maybe share with us, uh, that real estate investors in particular might be interested in, Hey, here's, here's where the jobs are going to be in the future. So this is an area that might be good for investment today.
0: Uh, there's, there's a ton, I mean, all across the city, uh, if you look at sort of um, say if we were to step outside of Toronto, you can see Vaughan is an interesting one right around Vaughan Metropolitan Center because you sort of have a, a trifecta there of a, a subway. You have fantastic highway access. You have the Concord Rail Yard. Uh, and you have employers that are slowly bit by bit starting to uh, potentially move there. I mean, KPMG had an office building built by Smart Centers there. There's another one. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure if it's under construction at the moment, but I know that it's sort of got approval and it's going to go ahead. Um, so you have Vaughn, and Vaughn's an interesting, definitely an interesting place to look at. Um On the other side, you have Markham as well, which is, you know, being built out largely by Remington, and that's gonna, you know, when you combine that with Buttonville, and we'll see how kind of Buttonville the airport plays out because that was a large, uh a very very large proposal by Cadillac Fairview, but uh in combination there could be a lot of potential there because you'll have a lot of jobs there, and you have a more dense communities right so those two pockets for sure um i'm just trying to think if peel or somewhere in mississauga is interesting in terms of the city uh you know i i would definitely you know downtown's a great place um but you know i'm 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 huge on accessibility for some reason so to me it's like how can i get around where i need to get in the shortest time and place so it's all about you know locating close to maybe subway stations or where two subway stations intersect, like say in Blue and Young or St George or things like that um and when you have good where you have good highway access right so things like that I think are important in terms of getting to jobs and out and and to shopping and getting out of the city if you want to as well um, so probably downtown, maybe the shoulder areas like Liberty Village or south of Eastern, you know Unilever there's a large proposal there as well. Um, on that site, uh, potentially where the new Eglinton LRT is being built along there, that could be an interesting one, and as well maybe the Finch LRT. So, uh, you know, there's always opportunities across there, but I think it's sort of the the access access is big for me.
1: Right, right, yeah, access. You put it well, yeah. Accessibility, transit, as well as uh, as as well as roads and highways are are so critical. Um, you go- yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, it, it,
0: it's, it's, it's strange in the city because, you know, half the people will say, like, you need transit access and the other half will say highway. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would go for both. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. I would definitely not uh, uh, disclude um, or exclude highways from uh from that sort of assessment of, of accessible places. Right. That's a great
1: point. Just keep that in mind. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, Igor thank you so much for your time uh, if people want to find you online what's the best or get in touch with you what's the best way for people to do that
0: I mean you can go on my website it's just idragovich.wordpress.com, um, and then on there if you go on my about me section there's essentially you can contact you can connect with me via Twitter uh, Facebook Instagram whatever you'd like um, and yeah from there on we can uh, further connect
1: great okay I'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes for this episode And once again, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. No problem, Andrew. Great chatting with you as well. Thanks for listening to the True Condos podcast. Remember, your positive reviews
0: make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.